Hello everyone, and welcome back to Haunted Picture Palace. Uh, you join us on the third of our vampire films for our little mini vampire season, which is the 2014 film A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's directed by Anna Lily Amapur, and is billed as the first Iranian vampire western, which is not, it's not strictly true, but uh, is a you know is a hell of a, a hell of a hook, isn't it? I'm not going to lie; it is true. I I don't know why the idea that it's not true is based on where it's filmed. That is a bit like saying that Romeo and Juliet isn't set in Verona because you saw it in Slateford. Uh, I suppose. You know? <laughs> but that's fine. Anyway, <laughs> I'm in a mood today, listeners. So it's going to be a fun time. Shall we crack on, or do you want to tell people who we are? people who we are well i'm ben i'm amelia there we go tick uh. <laughs> this is haunted picture palace in case you were curious did i not mention that no. no i didn't well haunted picture palace two people with soothing voices discussing films we've made each other watch that's right well done well remembered i was testing often they're spooky <laughs> It's true. We've been haunted. doing this for weeks. Haunted in some ways. Yes. Yeah. We. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> content warning before we begin. I'm diving in ahead of Do you. Do it. Yes. Um, because I mean, I'm not going to lie. If you don't like feet or needles, con- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the, the content warning being drug use, addiction themes, little bit of gore, but really nothing. Nothing actually actively gory i would say would you agree i would it's an 18 according to the disc that's because it's deeply threatening yeah but it's not i mean that's part of why it's such a good film because it is more about threat and themes of drug addiction than it is about blood (laughs) random side note the company there's a lot of companies that have gone into making this i assume it's so that it actually reaches us in the west because i feel like these films get lost in in not in translation at all but in time and in not being produced by enough names not being given enough elevation by bigger companies so there's a lot of people that have gone into making this even if they've just like chucked a tenor at it everybody is listed at the beginning the um black light district logo is fit as (laughs) oh it's It's really nice i remember yeah and it could tell you everything about the film which I feel like is a good sign of a decent mm. producer logo. Also, I noticed in the credits, Elijah Wood hanging out. Yeah, executive massive. producer. So I assume he had some clout somewhere oh, along the way. He's such a massive advocate for indie horror. Like, it's clearly a passion project for him. I know he likes his alien content sometimes, but mostly I'm aware that he's a huge paranormal activity fan, not the film franchise, but the actual <laughs> the event. The idea. Yes, yeah. exactly. And um, obviously he starred in a couple of things where you're like, hey, how did they get him? But actually, yeah, lifelong fan. So it makes total sense. And I'm glad to see him supporting this kind of thing. Yeah, and it's he's using his power for good, I guess. It was partly crowdfunded, I found out. They did a, that makes sense. In, Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Kickstarter you know, one of yeah. those, exactly. Other funding platforms are available. Budget of about fifty thousand dollars, just a little bit over. Well, um, yeah, I think so. Not expensive. Um, How much less than Twilight is that? I think it's roughly a tenth of the Twilight budget. <laughs> Whoa! Um, yeah, that's distressing for, for Twilight. <laughs> but um, what, I, what I mean, I suppose, uh, with my contention that it's not an Iranian film is it's, it's filmed in California. Uh, it's an Iranian expat. 
Yes. And diaspora production, if that makes sense. But it is in Persian, it is in Farsi. And they mm. could have done it in English and it probably would have been a easier sell mm-hmm. for, a, for a market. But I think there are reasons, well, I mean, there are obviously reasons, but I think there are good and interesting reasons as to why it was not made in English, which is it would have made it much easier, presumably, for them to get funding and to have a wider release, I suppose, a wider audience. Uh, there's a song called Sharkesh Epuch playing in the title scene that immediately puts you into a different time frame. So it's never really truly clear what time zone we're in for this. It does switch from 50s, 60s, 80s, 90s, but not really the 70s and no. not really modern times and not really earlier than that. So it's very specific. It's kind of like the age group of everybody involved in the film. Yeah. And the, yeah, as I say, the soundtrack throws you off guard because you are being shown vaguely modern images, but again, really timeless. And opening on essentially Persian James Dean, which I wrote in my notes, but it turns out the world agrees, including the director. So it's done, yeah. what, <laughs> done what it's set out to do. I really am genuinely a sucker for that particular look. So again, costume straight away, costume designed by someone called Natalie O'Brien, who does... A crack-a-lacking job in this film, mm. really. It's Everything's very minimal, but super effective. And we'll come to scenes later that are referencing films we've covered on the podcast before, which is satisfying. That is nice. Nice when that happens. Yeah. So this kind of James Dean hottie is playing with a cat, which is literally, I'm pretty sure, an entire Tumblr account of its own. <laughs> and wearing the thing that really, I'm honestly, I'm a sucker for the tight white tucked-in shirt, the T-shirt, rather, Sleeve slightly rolled up, usually a fag packet in there, but he's too wholesome, this guy, to have the fag packet yeah. with the smoke. Tight jeans, curly hair, and I'm there. I'm literally there. That's my type. Thank you. Shades or no shades, I could take a leave them. I like to see the eyes, but yes, beautiful. Shades are cool, though, and he's very cool. I don't think he's very cool at all. Ah. Uh. <laughs> You are in the mood today. <laughs> it's a good mood. Yeah. It's a good mood, and it's true. He's He's... It's a really interesting take, and I think it's a take that we're not used to in in Western cinema. Yeah. So for a Western audience film, you know, I've spoken before about how we have these anti-heroes and these strange different bits and pieces. And we've watched things like Rashomon and stuff where the hero changes, just independently of this podcast, mm-hmm. where the hero changes standing in a way that doesn't happen in Western cinema. And this one's a really good example of a trope that didn't appear until later in Western cinema of geek gets the girl by being himself yeah and in the beginning of the film he's not being himself he's being cool guy with a cool car i like cats and actually that's not really him like that's clearly a a persona and as the film continues he becomes more and more and more vulnerable but brave i would say yeah like his whole thing is vulnerable but brave and that's really unusual anyway it's also insanely pretty we're assuming that our audience have, have watched it. If you haven't, please do. I recommend it uh, very strongly. But it is, of course, you'll discover in black and white. I don't think we've mentioned that. The no. monochrome, sharp digital monochrome, which I think works really, really well and is very well lit and well composed the shots are. You know? Yes, but it's but also think... a really good way to film it anywhere and keep it timeless. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say mm. it's the timeless thing uh, to it as well. Yeah, the typeface, again, doesn't fit the time zone of the music. So the typeface of... The title that comes up is not a typeface akin to the 50s style music that's playing, is not akin to the car that we see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's really interesting. It kind of feels like when a place has been in real poverty. I've noticed this a lot when I visited 
much older towns in kind of rundown areas where it has signage from every single iteration of that shop. So, you know, eventually it ends up being a, like a tobacconist or something or some like ridiculous thing. But it's also got like that time it only sold milk, the time it was a greengrocer's, the time it was a wine shop. And they're all kind of just layered over, layered over. And then when you look, all the buildings are different shapes and sizes. There's no real time frame for a town. So, yeah, it has that. Mm. I mean, I suppose the, t- the city is called Bad. Yeah, Bad, you know, we're in it's bad, bad city. city. It's very comic booky from the off. And actually the black and white again helps with that. It's more of a manga feel, actually. Ah, I hadn't thought about that, but mm. I can see I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, yeah. For the second week in a row, it turns out I'm talking about 1950s cars visible in the yep. film, but uh, Arash's very fancy, shiny American car is a 1957 Ford Thunderbird, apparently. So there you go. Oh, so that really is that will be a reference. Oh no, they're not called that. They're called the T. Oh, T birds. T-bird. Yeah, it's a reference yeah. to Greece, and that's why he looks all Greece. Sure. Pastiche as well. So yeah. that's that's nice. Also, thinking about Iran, so the Cultural Revolution in Iran is 1979. Mm. And prior to that, it was a fairly sort of quote-unquote westernised country, right? A fairly sort of mm. modern democratic state before the Islamic Revolution. So I think that's something to bear in mind when we're looking at dates for this yes. as well. There's a couple of points that I'll come to later on when people think about or talk about the old days or you think, where did this come from? And it's like, well... If Bad City is in Iran, mm. the old days are pre-revolutionary. Okay. That's all. Needle to the toe, which is disgusting, just saying. <laughs> Leading man is properly gorgeous. Each time it, it there's a focus on his face, Arash really does have the most beautiful features. And he's really difficult to age. I'm yeah. aware that he's probably playing about a 17, 18-year-old. Yeah, probably. But he's that's but... a tough paper round. Yeah. <laughs> he could be easily 30 and could be easily 15. So, like, amazing yeah. casting. The drug dealer arrives, who's an awful person, but incredibly well played. And every single time he's on screen, I'm thinking Ninja from D'Anfort. Yeah. That apparently director choice, like, de- deliberately yes. based him... Yeah, no, and yeah, quite clearly. I mean, it's done really, really well, but yeah. the, the, it is, it doesn't look coincidence, does it? Yes, so there's a Saeed, is his name, the drug dealer slash horrible person, and he has a face tattoo along with several other tattoos. There is an amazing one that looks like it's done in a Sharpie that just says sex in English on his neck. Yeah, I love that. But um, there's one all over his face that reads Jakesh in Persian, which is Persian for pimp, <laughs> just in massive letters making up his eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah, he's well. You subtle. know, he's he's not a subtle man, is what I was just about to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, yeah. it fits. It fits with him. Again, beware. There is cat threat. I will say this cat is the best cat actor. Oh, it's brilliant that I've ever seen. I really don't know how they've made it behave that way. It is real. There is no CGI involved. This is just. I was say I like to credit. Uh... Yeah, his name, Masuka. Masuka the cat. Which means lover in Urdu, which is very cute. But Masuka is a beautiful soul. And when you're watching it, you'll want a cat. Anyway, uh, the cat manages also to sound completely depressed on cue. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That kind of wailing when Saeed picks him up is amazing. Also, my note on this is that Mr. Cat, which is what Saeed calls him. Yes. When he holds him up and says, well, what's the matter? Looks at his penis, yeah. What's the matter? Yeah, checks it's a Mr. Cat first because, you know, he's... He's heteronormative and um, <laughs> another, I don't know. another one of his faults is, uh, you know, he's, he's 
But yeah, and then calls him Mr. Cat, which I have is a great name for a, for a cat. For so, somehow. Somehow, Mr. Cat is a great cat name. I think Mr. Dog is also great. A, a good, Especially if it's a girl. A good cat name is Mr. No, Dog. No, a good dog a good name. Dog name. Mr. Dog. Or Dr. Dog. Dr. Dog. Mm. Very nice. Like anyway. med- medical or PhD? It doesn't matter, Both. does it? Both. Arash is a very believable, hard-working, hard-done-by kid. All of his body language is threat and looking down and being angry. And he's very, very good at that contained anger. It's very Scorpio. It's very, like, brooding anger, but but contained on purpose. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's asked very early on about his cool car, and he says how many days... He, yeah. Like, he's like, do you know how many days it takes to save up to buy a car like this? And then he reels off a number, which I didn't write down, but is it's in the thousands. And yes, it implies that he he's very aware of how many days that is and how many hours of labour it represents. Yes. Yes, he yeah. is. Saeed takes the car. Yeah. The car that this poor kid worked for days and days and days and days and days to get. Uh, in exchange for, well, in order to cover Arash's father's debt, who is extremely strung out on heroin. I suspect so, yes. Mm. I don't think it's. I don't think we see what he's no. doing here, but later on oh, he's clearly taking heroin. Yeah, I suppose yeah. that's another reason for its high certification, just thinking about it. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh. Actually, pretty much. Sh- and then, I mean, spoiler alert, because you can edit this out, but then also just injecting somebody against their will. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> there's there's that's a lot true. of reasons. It's yeah. just not the gore. <laughs> Oh, and I, f- I felt so sad. So, like, wounds, for some reason, often, to me, look worse in black and white. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. But Arash has punched a wall in his rage and ends up with some bloody knuckles at the end of it. But him just riding his bike up the hill is the saddest thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, being put back in his place and hating it. Well, this is my first note on vampirism, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah, we accept this as a vampire film. Obviously, there's been nothing supernatural yeah but him riding his bike it just seems to be that like he's been bled dry like that he's at the end that he is paying for his father's debt so saeed is is leeching from him yeah as is his father in a different way sort of emotional yeah the emotional toil of that and the physical like loss of his commodity yeah i mean the first spoken word in the film is can I have some money yeah um, from the little boy that he ends up telling how long of he's course. been working so the little boy is also a tiny vampire yeah um, and yes I had this theory and I'll bring it up again and again that the whole thing is every kind of vampire you can think of every character has a vampiric trait yeah um, or is the victim of one including the town itself but we'll I'll flag it up as yeah. we get to them so Oh, yes. So, can you, and did you have any theories about what kind of vampire the nose job girl is? Well, she seems to be the most modern yes. creature, the most yes. modern thing uh, in the film. And she's not, she's rude to the help, right? She's mm-hmm. she's very dismissive of of young Arash, but I can't. I know she's. I know she's presented negatively, but I can't tie it into a to a vampirical. It's attention. Idea. Ah. And vanity, you know. Sure. So we've we've changed the nose. 
we call him up so that he can witness her being on the phone. You know, she actually yeah. called him to that room. Yes. And then she lies in such a provocative way that it is very, very Lucy from Dracula. <laughs> Do you not think? Yes. The bite, yeah. the wound. I hadn't seen it, but you'd, I, yes. The rolling around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly from a certain version of Dracula, the um, Francis Ford Coppola one. It's very similar vibe. Yeah. To the point of where he's sort of, he dismisses her. Actually, it's to steal her earrings. So he's already become corrupted in the way that a vampire, once a vampire has bitten the victim, the victim then begins to vamp. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's already starting to steal, but it is stealing with good intention. Yeah. And I think it's part, that's part of like the idea that Bad City, it, like, corrupts. It's, exactly. It's mm. not called Good City. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, my boy and girl alone in a bedroom, that was when, that was when my note goes, oh yeah, we're set in Iran. Yeah. Like, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. Like, that's not a. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not his true belief either. He's no, saying that to get rid of her, but, but it's like, fascinating. But it, it, what it does is it situates the narrative, right? And it does tell us because as we, this is a very sort of cold, sparse, stylized world. Yes, and it could, I guess, be anywhere, just taking place in Farsi. But like this, that to me seems to situate it back in yeah. back in a, a, a back in the the Middle East. Yeah, very good point. Um, the diamonds reflected on his eyelids is perfect, mm. and it is. I'll talk more about the lighting a little bit later because it's more relevant. But it really is like. It just has that film noir thing just creeping in, yeah. for the first time. Really, we flash then to the thirty-year-old sex worker. I find her unbelievably beautiful. She has such an in- incredible facial features. They don't look real. They are real, <laughs> but she looks painted, you know? Yeah. And so tragically sad. I do love the headscarf before she goes down on him. Yeah. Even though he's terrible, the headscarf is a nice touch. And again, yeah. we're, we're in around. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. The ghostly, oh, yes. Yes. When she does go down on him, it's properly vampiric. So the, the headscarf acts as the cape yeah. going over and concealing what's happening. Yeah. It's a really nice touch. Yeah, and again, cons- that idea of concealment is something that runs through a, a lot of things here, yeah. actually. Uh, that these are people who are hidden, people who are on the wrong side of the law, I guess, or sort of in some way on the underskirt. Well, then, yeah, is they, they are all underworld creatures. Yeah. A pimp, a prostitute, a drug dealer, yeah. uh, an addict. You know, yeah. these are sinners. It's, sure. It's a list of sinners. and. Yeah. Initially, Arash was incredibly pure and almost like 10 minutes in, he's stealing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's the purest. And they are all representing different sins as well. I don't yeah. know if you looked at that in any kind of detail. But I didn't. we have got pride and we have got jealousy and we have got, yeah, they're all really easily identifiable. Lust. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten everything else. Oh, s- sloth, I guess, is actually the dad. Yeah. It's, but he's also greed. And yes. greed is in it a lot. Oh, yeah. Anyway, and then here we have the ghostly figure watching them and then disappearing. So this is the first mm. time that we see... Oh, is she just the girl? The girl. Yes, yeah. okay. No name on the girl. No, I didn't think so. So we see the girl, but really we just see a kind of black shadow. It's the shadow of the girl, um, or the vampire. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> you should have watched it. Dressed in her shadow, you know, the um, the robe that's kind of like a shawl done up with a clasp or the hand um, that's traditional Iranian dress sure. for women. 
you I my brain immediately goes to um I can never pronounce it. Persepolis? Yes. Um, no, I thought of that as well. Which I really enjoyed, Always but I also thing. found deeply, deeply, deeply upsetting. I had the memory I have of it as being just mortified by the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see that costume again used. It's very much a, a, a feminist item in this film, sure, um, which is quite an interesting twist on it. A very deliberate move and really interesting. And again, she just melts into every scene because of that black and white. Yeah, but so, also these are not sort of very populated streets. So no. she is very noticeable in the background because most of the time when we get a wide shot, the background is uh, bare. Yes. Yeah, her shape is so comic book like how is she not a goth icon? And I'll be asking that a lot <laughs> through this film because she really does some iconic stuff. Well, yeah, Persepolis, of course, is from the yeah. graphic novel. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there are a few sort of quite... Have you read it? Yes. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, yes. No, it's tough. Yeah. You know, it, it's sometimes unpleasant, but it is also great. But I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a good, it is a wonderful bit of work, actually. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention about the scene is Saeed kicking the sex worker out of his car out of fear and sort of disturbance and feeling some bruised male ego stuff Mm -hmm. about seeing a stranger while he's getting a blowjob. But he has, I just wanted to mention that he has a Pac-Man tattoo on his neck (laughs) that is Pac-Man eating a few dots. And I just thought that's also consuming. That's also vampiric that's yeah. also got this um, thing about ghosts in pac-man as well it's yeah. a really nice bit of symbolism so we go to see the girl's house and this scene is so so hypnotic oh no we don't sorry yeah i think we do because it's only the editing oh, yeah, here she, da- she dances it's only the editing here that ties together because we don't get a, a good shot of we don't get a close-up shot of the figure no. the veiled figure in the background of the shot but then we uh, we have we cut to her dancing at home, dancing yeah. at home, and then we cut to her outside, veiled again. Yes, his house. Just outside his house, and then they meet, and he goes. She goes back to to his. So but it's funny. it is the editing in this sequence that ties these together, so that you know instinctively yes. that that figure that we saw here is the figure that we're now in the room of, and she's dressed a lot less conservative. You know, she's just dressed in sort of fairly western. Fairly standard well, clothes. Well, very, very beautiful. She looks Parisian. You know, it's a, yeah. it's an old sixties Parisian. The stripy jumper, not in the, uh, <laughs> not in that way, not in the onion cellar the, way. Exactly, but bicycle. the the proper like Bardo neckline, black and white stripes. Although it, it could be it could be navy and white, and then a tiny it's little, not, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> a tiny little done at home choppy pixie cut which is also not well not even a pixie cut choppy bob yeah that is also not very common as a hairstyle i would imagine in a traditional iranian way but obviously i'm making some broad assumptions and this amazing eyeliner that's just absolutely perfect and she looks like yeah she's just a goth dream she looks like she could have been at a cure concert and fit in quite nicely and she does this kind of weird dancing like she's learning what dancing is yeah, I think the whole scene just shows that she's not human, even though it's the most human we see her being. You yeah, know? yeah. It's like a weird impression of a human. It's got very species vibes. There are, yeah, there are other. I feel like there are later points at which, but it's the, the times when she feels human to me, or most human, are the times when she feels vulnerable. There are a couple of moments where she seems to just let her guard down a fraction, and I suppose here because she's alone and because we are mm. intruding. We're seeing her 
unveiled, right? There, mm-hmm. You know, is a pun here, right? Uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> that we're seeing her on her own, right? And when, you know, when she doesn't think anybody's watching, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. She's back to being fully made up. So she's got lipstick on and stuff uh, after dancing and it cuts to the girl following Saeed home, basically. He just lets her into his house, which is one of the times in this film where it sort of looks like she has a hypnotic power, which is an old vampire trope. Yep. To have power of hypnosis, just naturally, like a kind of like a snake that when they dance in front of prey. He's such a perfect caricature. Like, you know everything about him. His house, the music, like the dodgy taxidermy, the terrible tiger stuff everywhere. Yeah. You know, and her being the most gothic girl in the room, just like looking at him like, what are, what are you and why? Yeah, I love his terrible pad. It's marvellous. Yeah. Uh, and he's got, like, the I spotted the weights, uh, the sort of dumbbells out earlier that, that, of course, then he just, in his sort of... But he does in front of her. ...strange seduction of this silent girl. Yeah. He, he starts pumping iron because... With his shirt off. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the, the, the dance bit really stuck in my memory because he's like a kind of coked-up bird of paradise. It's like <laughs> yeah, that's great. He can't really deal with her silence. Yeah. So he's filled it with literally everything except talking. He knows he's not allowed to talk to her, but like every kind of noise he could make, including like workout noises or weird dancing noises, he's biting his own lip. And it does feel like there's been a weird gender change as well Mm. in that, where she just watches and he becomes this sort of desperately trying to, to attract her with his looks. Yeah, no, of course. And if you Um, look at like the dynamics of power in the previous scene in the, car yeah he withheld he, money until the sex worker gave his finger a blowjob yeah and then i don't think he gives a i think he bundles he her out without any money, money anyway yeah. but he has all the power there and he, whereas here even though he's still sort of performing pimp if you'd like you know he's yeah. still you, there's something about the way it's played and the performances and i suppose it's good performances from both of them that he just feels like a lamb to the slaughter to me yes. you know she has all the power there and i don't quite know how that how they did that <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. And I mean, the fact that she keeps disappearing into the shadows created by his horrible house yeah. in the background of him being weird. And I mean, he is being weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not acting normally. It's sort of, it's almost like, I and mean, you say lamb to slaughter, but it's almost like when a lion has bitten a deer and it gets strained. You know, it starts acting really odd or it's like because something's gone wrong. You know, like it's it's bitten a bit of it and the animal's gone into shock mm-hmm. or something like that. So this guy's being very strange. I mean, obviously he's coked up. Yeah. And he offers her some, but she's just staring at him. And she does look like she's studying human behaviour. Yeah, um, yeah. For a Bjork moment. <laughs> uh, the fangs are out, so there's no weird finger fellatio for you, buddy. Uh, she is like an animal and I, I really love it. Like she mm. really just watches him and doesn't blink and then she eats them all up, coke and all. Yeah. And then Nick's his watch. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, well, there's a... Yeah, there is that sort of oh. mercenary economic side to almost everything here, right? That, like, money... Yeah. The the role of money and valuable things. Yes. But, uh, but you said that, like, no finger fellatio action here. But he does notice and see the fangs. Yeah. But then goes for it anyway, and he's like, oh, this is a cute, weird goth thing i guess (laughs) maybe 
I just think he's hypnotised. I think he can't help himself once he started something with her. But the reason I laughed when he said that was because I remembered that his <laughs> outside, while all this is happening, Arash is trying to get his car back. So he's outside Saeed's house on the phone to him, calling him to... He's found his car outside Saeed's yeah. house and said, look, he's, he's calling him to get that back. And the voicemail is, leave a message, hooker. Yeah. Which is <laughs> just amazing. It just makes me laugh. Anyway, he's such a terrible person, but also like I like the character for the same reason that I like Diablo. No, I'm and I'm always sort of slightly sad that he makes his exit so early in the film. Yeah, same. Um, same. But he, his damage main, remains throughout, though. That's true, and it is also an explosion of violence in a film that we haven't really seen. Of the, you know, yes. there isn't really very much in the way of gore in this I film mean, at all. She bites his finger off, but. <laughs> I mean, in the film, generally, yeah. it's not a you know, it's not a sort of bloody gory film. No, but but that is quite unpleasant. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and is, and, and effective. And then, yes, yeah, she when she goes from it is like an animal. I think um, she's tried to feed him his own finger at that point oh, as well. Oh yeah, which so, is yeah. all very Freudian. Maybe isn't it? we're just yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe we're just numb. We've watched a lot of horror now, and you're becoming numb to the oh, violence. That's awful, isn't it? That's isn't a terrible it? thought. Arash really does remind me of uh, the scene in stage fright by Hitchcock in this whole next scene so the girl walks out of the gate as Arash is trying to get in the gate and sort of lets him into the home and Arash looking around and being like oh my <laughs> what has happened here this guy is definitely dead yep. oh boy and then takes a bunch of drugs as in steals them steals from them. the yes. drug dealer thinking yes. like here's my opportunity takes some drugs takes some money again with good intentions in a way well, I wondered, because when he's on the intercom leaving a message and he says, I want my car, I have something for you. And I wonder if that was why he stole those earrings. Oh, it was. was. Yeah, yeah, I thought trade. that's what it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, try and sort of trade yeah. for his car. And yeah. he, But you said he stole the earrings with good intentions, and I guess it's like he wants his car back. That is the good intention. That's the good intention because he stole them from that. No, like, no, no. He, he stole the earrings, I think. I think he stole the earrings to get, or in the hope that they were diamond, and yep. in the hope that they would be enough to cover getting the car back, or that they would be enough to clear his dad's debt, which is what I thought yes. might be the good intention of that. Yeah, um, no, that makes sense. But, you know, his his dad is another vampire, yeah. um, on his son and on the system. Yeah, The presence of his mother, his dead mother, in every scene with his dad is horrendous. Every single shelf in that home has a picture of his dead mother on it, and the dad speaks to her with or without drugs in his system yes. as if she's still there and it's really quite heartbreaking but it also means that there is this haunted element to the household so each time mm. we go there it's too dark it's it's horrible there's yeah. always an animal which we noticed in the 30s Dracula there's always the cat just lurking yeah. and watching yeah. and I've put again great cat acting um, it's the contrast as well I think between the sort of Arash that people would see around yeah. town in his you cool know, guy outfit. Exactly, his cool mm -hmm. guy outfit in his cool car with his shades on, and then the sort of drab domesticity of this of where he lives, you know, and you, yeah. feel, you feel like, oh, the, the cool guy outfit is, is a projection and, like, armour to protect him. Yeah. Yeah. We get this really nice scene. It's very short, but it's very interesting. It's um, the girl in the bath, and it's lit exactly as the girls in the 30s Dracula were lit when they were in the coffins. Ah, really identical. Yes, you're right. 
and it is meant to be i think her cleansing herself of the crime <laughs> of well of her last meal yeah but she also just looks quite blissed out actually she looks quite in her own thoughts and it is i would say quite a risk to show boob well yes i mean that's why i say this couldn't be made in yes in, in iran we're sent to an oil plant a nice um transitional shot of an oil plant which again is vampiring exactly, oil out of yes. the land yep, sucking yep, it yep. dry and the kid's a vampire for cash i've written again the doctor bleeds him dry of all his cash uh, so yes but again like this is about the stealing for good intentions yes. right so he's using money that he pinched from saeed's briefcase of drugs and cash <laughs> but he uses the money to fix up his hand so he's, yeah it's he's doing some healing work yes <laughs> even though you know the the wound was when he punched the wall because he was angry so like, the metaphor is is shaky but still like he's not greedy he's not like no he's he's, he's not he's not vampiring here <laughs> no the sound design and the score are both incredibly rich mm. and epic the girl is back i've put kp um <laughs> kp's back and this time she's after Ara- arash's dad we had some confusion and actually at some point arash's dad uses the phrase a blind cat oh yes and i couldn't quite understand it i assume it's just a phrase or an expression that hasn't translated yeah I, I just yes exactly i took it as just an insult yeah i just think it's an interesting one given what happens later she becomes her victim shadows the oh, girl yes. does so she plays with them like death right mm-hmm. um lots of uh, death duck and the tulip is a particularly lovely kids book about death following a duck around to see what life is like oh my favorite to see what life is like and then being really sad and having to be like i we have to hug now basically and it's time uh. to go and the duck is following a tulip around going how are you alive you know like how do i do this have i killed you by picking you you know uh-huh. it's it's all it's teaching children about death but actually that kind of fascination of death wanting to see what life is is how i feel about her character throughout okay because i've got a slightly different interpretation on this yeah. scene because to me she's mirroring him and he is freaked out by it and runs away because he can't stand his reflection exactly he doesn't right. like seeing what he's become he doesn't like seeing his whatever his okay. being reflected back at himself it's also of course a nice it's to me it's playing on the vampire uh, not reflecting in a mirror idea as well oh nice yeah very good um yeah because hussein wants companionship you see him following atty you see him following her and just before he meets that's the sex worker, with the yes. girl the sex worker and he wants i've, said, I've got my note here it's like he wants companionship uh, from her yeah he's lonely but he also wants drugs and wow. this is the, because he's he's an addict right yeah and he's he's addicted in both ways right you know loneliness and yeah and one of the things that uh, the pimp says before he he, he meets his end he says to to Arash, you know, do you have any idea what your father owes me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because they're both coming from they're both they're both supplied from the same source, and ultimately they both sort of have the they both spring from the same source as well. You know, the loneliness, the, yeah. the drug addiction, they feel connected. She moves on from Hussein onto the kid, mm. and does this amazing kind of boogeyman threat of are you a good boy you know like it's just so first time she speaks as well yeah she's been in it for a while to not speak and it really stuck with me the first time i watched this is my second watching of this film and her face in complete shadow stopping the kids 
and then being ahead of him when he's run away yeah. is such a nice old trope that I was pleased to see there because she doesn't actually move in a supernatural way at any other real point. No, she, she goes appears. quick when she goes in for a bite. Yes. But not, well, potentially not supernaturally quick. No, it's just animal pounce. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, um, it means she could have caught up with the old boy with ease because the old boy oh, yeah. walked away and she just kind of smiled to herself like, <laughs> basically, which again, which is why I feel like she is death. Mm. is because she just does that smile of like, I know I'm coming for you. Your time's up. Yeah, she's playing with her prey, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, with the boy, her conversation with him, I think, is worth spending a little bit more time on. Because yeah. <laughs> it, well, it develops the idea that she's some kind of a moral force in this in this uh, universe. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, her question is, are you a good boy? Right? Not, is this your skateboard? Have you Or even, have you done something good today have you it's are you a good boy it's very absolute oh because she only attacks men yeah yeah okay doesn't she yeah as far as we see yeah so she's basically seen a child that she knows is a bit of a rough and and is prepping him as a dark angel if you like saying i will come for you yeah and this will be your punishment i i hurt men who do bad <laughs> yeah so are you a good boy? Yes. She's so demonic and perfect, and now she's a skateboarding demon. Yeah. You know, like, even better. And obviously costume design, again, being wonderful, she's... Her cape turns into bat wings. Yeah. Just naturally, just in the wind as she skateboards, and it's beyond perfect. No, and this is an image that really stuck with me from, mm. from well, the first time I've seen it a few times now. First From the very first watch, this... Again, another long shot of her just going along on her... Yeah. On the board with her cape behind her really really sticks with me yeah it's also followed or it's cut in with arash making his own dracula cape for the costume party with the with the rich girl which on the one hand really reminded me of catwoman from tim burton's batman where she finds a particular fabric in her home and sort of everything it's just got this really grimy gothic homemade aesthetic but it's it's the scenes of the sewing machine and the transformation and wearing new skin and yeah. trying to change and trying to move um it's ironic that the only non-vampiric character is dre- is the only one actually dressed as a vampire yeah but he is so flawless one, it, honestly the eyeliner the lighting she consistently Anna Lily Amapur the director um consistently lights Arash uh in exactly the same way as Bella Lugosi. So like it's it's the proper the eyes glinting every time he's there, even in disco lights, they have angled one of the mirables in the club that they're in yeah. to only shine on his eyes and it's such an amazing touch. So he's gone in search of that terrible girl. Um, post nose job. Shader the princess, which is the rich girl, into this club, this um costume party that she was describing to her friend on the phone and Arash turns up as drug dealer actually for the night with the intention of well he does say why he was selling the drugs doesn't he does he briefly yes he says something like you know she says is this your new no sorry she says is this your new job so obviously one he's been fired that makes sense yeah from working for the big house yeah and two Here's the new job. I'm a drug dealer now. And it's just pills um, that he's bought with him. So yeah. it's nothing too fancy. But also, he doesn't appear to charge them for these pills. <laughs> no, because he wants in. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, but but it, I suppose it's another example of that. Like, he's not 
sort of driven by this rapacious greed that seems to sort of grease the wheels of the no, whole society. he's driven by lust. Sure. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. He is more driven by love. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. It's not really like the overbearing sexual desire. It's the adoration. Sure. Or the worship of the princess. She does make... So... <clears throat> so Shada forces, essentially, Arash to do drugs. I hate her, I've written. <laughs> and it's it's really Love Witch vibes, that whole scene, actually. Mm. Pre-Love Witch, obviously, but it, it feels like it. I do love the switch to sensual lounge, like, Bollywood music, almost, when... <laughs> He's taken the drugs. Yeah. And he's looking over the switched genders and switched identities in the room. Everyone's wearing a different kind of mask. Yeah. It's really tripping him out. I'm not sure what kind of pill they took. <laughs> but, you know, it worked. <laughs> oh, they say, yeah, they just call it X, don't they? Yes. Because they turn up and say, like, oh, here you have some X. Yeah. Which works because it's like, well, you know that that's a drug of some kind right i mean i guess that means it could be ecstasy it could but also it's very vague enough that like yeah. any any side effects that it has or not even side any effects that it has yeah you know you just accept you're not going well that wouldn't cause that or whatever well it's also a really horrible rejection like it's it's a it's a casual rejection of his advances sure so he does go in for a kiss and all he gets is like uh arash like yeah. it's the most normal thing like don't touch me go away um, even though she's been doing all the kind of teenage seductress <laughs> sure. um, moves on the discotheque. Yeah, but of course earlier, you know, in their last scene together, he was the help, right? She's not going to look He's at him. He's a poor boy. Exactly. She's not going to look at him. Um, it's a very oral uh, film, actually. There's a lot of shots of things going into mouths. That shot of her feeding him the pill. <laughs> You're going to say about how sexual it is, is Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, I know my... I know my place and I know my role. But that shot of her feeding him the pill is a very close-up of it going into yeah. his mouth, which, I, to me, ties it back into uh, Saeed and the finger, exactly, and mm. but also the biting off of the finger and the sort of latent danger of the... Yep. Latent danger of teeth, really, which <laughs> I suppose <laughs> That's is, true. is very a, another vamp vampiric thing. Yes. For me. Yes, true. And consumerism. It depends what yeah. the message is. Yeah, yeah. Rejection. Oh, yeah, and someone else puts fangs in his mouth, which is another one. Yeah. So it's not him that puts the fangs in. And I put meaning? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the, 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 the sort of rapacious, vampirical, that is not, isn't from his nature, but is put on put him by him society by or yeah, those perfect. around him. There you go. Perfect, thanks. <laughs> uh, Arash then fades into shadow like the girl does. What is the opposite of a manic pixie dream girl? Is it a calm vampire skateboarder? Yes. Good. Um, I really love... Somehow it is. I really love this interaction. So mm. this it captures the intoxicated wandering so perfectly. Anybody that's been drunk or spangled... Going up for a wander on your own, if you are the person that wanders off, the shuffle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is so perfect. Poor sausage and just street lamp obsession. I don't know why we all do it, but for some reason, even if you've just had a couple of drinks, street lamps are fascinating. Yes, this is where I've said he's you, like he a, vampire a vampire moth, moth just sort of trying to get to the light. Uh, <laughs> but I suppose, you know, he's trying to get to the light. My other note here is that the, the girl, you know, who, who runs into, just is at home in the night, in this yeah. sort of uh, abandoned street at presumably early hours of the morning. And he looks very lost, but she looks at home. 
yeah and you know the talking to strangers thing and the first thing is this is i'm dracula yeah <laughs> you know, she's a pretty girl and he's clearly not very good with them no i know he's a lost little boy i know and then don't worry i won't hurt you which already means he's not a bad boy he's not a yeah. bad man so he's not in the books of like he he's not on her kill list goth icons both of them just by the way mm. the in cape embrace actually made my little teenage heart go like he just swoops her in his yeah. cheek nasty cake. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but of course it's the it's the iconography from Bella Lugosi yeah, again, exactly. but just sort of the opposite again, I suppose, because it's a it's it's weird, it's, it's an attempt it's an attempt at protection from somebody who clearly doesn't Who cannot protect you. Because well no you're trying you're to protect her and and yeah. yeah exactly and she doesn't need I mean, you know, Christ. <laughs> this bit and I know you've seen this film another time more than me. Mm-hmm. But let's sit and then collapse into the floor made That's, us both but, laugh yeah. again. Yeah. Like, it is really funny and it's so beautifully timed. Yeah. I really love the scene at her house so much. It's long and it's deliberately long and it works perfectly. She's tried to put music on like the drug dealer did. Yeah. Which is why I suggest that she's trying to learn this behaviour and ah, study it. That's nice. She's picked it up. Because she's like, oh, this is what people do. Yeah. And... You know, he spins the disco ball because he's still out of his mind a little bit. The music is flawless. I think it's um, it's what it's a mix or a remix of White Lies. Um, the band can't remember the name of the song now, but yes, it's um, really nice. Yes, um, we we both we we've talked we talk about it every time. We talked about it both times we saw the film together, and we looked it up both times, and I've forgotten. It's death, death by death. white lies. <laughs> of course, it is. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it all works tonally. Yeah, and you know the lights are shining because of the disco music. Mm. Her neck is exposed. This fear's got a hold on me. It's all gothic. It's all vampy and virginal all at once. It's really virginity. Yeah, it's got strong virginity. Vibe. Yes, absolutely. That coupled with the scene coming after as well in the morning. No, but how dare this film also be this romantic? It really is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it's all done with that dialogue. I don't think they speak a they word don't. to each other in the thing, but it, but it's, and it's extremely stylish. But it's also there's depth there. It's not that it's empty. There's a lot going on. So the music is very well chosen. It's telling you what is happening. Yeah, Their eyes. Uh, Sheila Van as the girl has the most extraordinary Massive face eyes. and yeah. gaze. Yeah, absolutely. And the the spinning disco ball and how that slowly slows down through mm-hmm. the scene. And they look like they're being they look like they're in slow motion but they're actually just moving slowly yeah um, yeah yeah and there's a whole conversation going on there which you can which you can almost hear yeah except that of course none of it is done with words my other note here is that he's submissive but also open yeah well she goes in for a little bite but she chooses a cuddle instead yeah the sound design of the half cut as well is lovely. Anyway. Mm, yeah. But yes, because then we cut oh, to yeah. the next, well, presumably the next morning scene no, of this sort of dance. Yeah. With the balloon, which I, to me is sort of the aftermath of f- first sex. Right. Really? I've interpreted it as a sort of free, a moment of like freedom and lightness and beauty and happiness and just this sort of little snatched moment of joy from the sort of very clinical cold dark bad city around them wow how do you read it that was a very sad looking drag queen that was a (laughs) that's not i didn't get joy from it i got like a kind of because it's a balloon and i'm suggesting transvestism rather than full-on anything else but who knows 
someone in who's wearing makeup and hair a certain way it felt like and we had seen them at the party so we knew they were there we knew they were at the costume party mm-hmm. they are in costume they are able in fact are they the only person able to look happy in daylight in the film there's not a lot of people looking happy in this film anywhere no any, even in the night either <laughs> but i felt like it was really odd i couldn't i actually couldn't in fact, I've just put unsure. Fair enough. Well, that's my interpretation. I like it. However, it's nicer than mine. <laughs> you know, I'm down with other interpretations that are available. It is strangely elliptical. So there's a lot of things in the relationship of our two protagonists mm. here, which is unspoken yeah, and uh, unseen and left for you to infer and imply. And I feel like this is one of the... I feel like it's telling us something about yes. their night together or what happens after we cut away or something. But what that is yeah. could be something else. I, it just looked like a come down. Yeah. So it could yeah. be his feelings post X. Yeah. Rather than yeah. his feelings post event. Yes, that's um, true. But yes, it's interesting. <laughs> the dad looks quite well in the next scene, but there's nothing that looks worse than egg than like <laughs> eggs and food in black and white. It yeah. never looks nice. No, that's a real. Speaking about the come come down, that's a real like hangover breakfast, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, the dad's looking well because some of his withdrawals have eased. He's a lot more confident. Mm-hmm. And you've got Arash playing with his eggs and he nearly pierces them with the fork like she nearly pierced him yeah. with her fangs. But he doesn't quite do it. And then you get your line you love. Oh, what, what are you an idiot now? Because he, he says he can't, he can't tell. His father is asking him yeah. where he's been and who she was. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know her name. I don't know her name. I don't know her family. I don't know her family. He's like, what, what, what is this? Are you an idiot? Are you an idiot now? <laughs> <laughs> have you become an idiot and he's trying the parental chat is the father but of course he's, yes. he, but he's squandered all of his, his authority for this because he's a wastrel drug addict leech leech thank you <laughs> sex work what's her name Atty Atty yeah. keyed the car thinking yeah. that it still belonged to the drug dealer yes I, she doesn't, of course she doesn't know he's dead it's a nice nice detail why would she know yeah um, I love the stalk of her shadow and so the girl follows Atty. And this is again why I think the girl is examining and watching and seeing how to woman, how to girl, how to. what this woman is doing with her time. And Atty almost seems like kind of used to it. She's just a bit like, what do you want? Are you going to give me a moral lesson? Are you going to. Yeah. is this a judgment? She then offers an apple, obviously, original sin, saying they're sweet as well. So it's the mm, temptation. Temptation. So I've said here that to me, Sex workers and vampires have this mutual understanding. Children and of the night. <laughs> children of the night, 100%. Ladies of the night, right? It's yeah. really similar. It's really there. I also feel like the girl can't age and so is fascinated by a, ma- a mature woman. I mean, she's only 30, but like this... Well, what? she admits to 30. Oh, I see, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, she's a, yes. she's a mature woman. That's a good point, yeah, because there is something about the girl that does... Even though there's nothing explicit about how old she is or no. how the age are. there is something about the performance and about the way she's played that suggests that like yeah it just could be she could be 900 years old yeah. <laughs> yeah I also feel like she's there's an element there of the the girl deciding if this could be the career for her I really mm-hmm. felt like it had job interview things because of course if you're going to find bad men find the people that abuse sex workers yeah but you know to eat it's a good, it's a good yeah, source. Yeah. But also I think she's checking out who she's protecting. 
Because she subconsciously chosen this woman. She does look similar to her. So there might be this idea of like mother or like um, kinship. Mm. And it's like, I just want to make sure that you're not also bad and that I'm not defending a bad thing from badness. Yeah, yeah. There's the, the, in their conversation, Atty says, you're watching me, is the question. And she says, at night. Yes. Right? Which is so double-edged because why are you watching me at night? Yeah. Like, is, are you watching over me at night? Yeah, we've seen this sort of moral side of her as like a protector, but we also yeah. know that she's very dangerous. <laughs> she could be. I mean, there's a nice idea if you wanted to just create an entire folklore that sex workers that put themselves at risk at night don't have a guardian angel, they have a guardian vampire. Yeah. That's a really nice yeah. sort of thought. But there's something in her curiosity which is not... She doesn't know this. Yeah. Entirely benevolent. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh my God, so cute. So... The girl is floating about by the wall like a badass. She's mm. just floating there's with a, a skateboard. Of, there's a couple of times that when she moves, I think we see it a little bit in the pimp's flat as well, when she seems to just float around. And again, again, it's to do with the robes and the... Well, she's the, also she's on wearing. a skateboard but at yeah. this point. No, yeah. of course, but just she always moves in a slightly unearthly way and having a creep along on the board like that is just... But she's playing. She's yeah. playing and she's also... It's a callback to Dracula being seen climbing the walls. Yeah. Right, so yeah. it makes sense. It's a really nice little unnecessary but very cute moment. And then, can she's just kind of left left Atty to it. She's just left her house and gone to play by a wall. Um, <laughs> the power plant is the heart of the bad city, right? So we mm. have this shot of the power plant, again, leeching off the land. It's a big presence in the town. And it is the heart. We're at the centre of where all the energy comes from, the lifeblood of the city comes from to have burgers because he's a teenager because poor Arash is a teenager trying to impress a girl and he's never met anyone who doesn't like burgers I, I see his logic it's, yeah like everybody likes hamburgers yeah he is trying to have a teenage date with a demon relatable I've put yeah and he stole the earrings the earrings that he stole he gives to her so that's hugely symbolic right mm. because that was something he stole to make the money to to get his car back or to help his dad and now it's just a gift for a girl that he stole from another girl. So the level of corruption is different. Well, also, because the only reason he was able to get his car back is because she... He doesn't know that. I know, but there's a symbolic way in which he's paying back that debt. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. This date is great, now pierce me. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is a nice vampiric inversion, right? After yeah. declining to bite him. Yeah. And that's like, yes, you can bite me. Mm. I've done bad things and I'm bad. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is when I said earlier that there's moments of vulnerability where she appears sort of most mm. human. This is what I was thinking of. There's something that's very plaintive about it. It's very sort yeah. of... Yeah. It, because it's not... It's not... She doesn't say, I'm sorry I did bad things. But, like, there's, there is a an element to it of that... Like it's wrenched out of her by something that you might think of as conscience or... Okay. Uh, mm, yeah. I didn't read it as that, but I like it. Her good versus bad, black and white, lol. View is something that she says to the little boy. Are you a good yeah. boy? And because he's not a good boy, or because he is a good boy, she lets him live, right? Yeah. She, he's a, he's He promises to be a good boy, essentially, by, yeah. by freaking out. Um... <laughs> But she's just said, I'm bad. Yeah. And I'm, in other words, I'm doomed or I'm less than or this is just how it is rather than I'm good and I've done bad things. 
mm-hmm. which is kind of, I think, how she sees him because he says something like, I've done bad things. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the things I've done, but he doesn't use the word bad. No. So her alarm bells don't go off. She just looks at him like innocent flower. <laughs> yeah. You know, which um, he is. In, in he some is. Ways. He is the innocent in this film. Mm. I know. This next scene, this poor cat, this poor confused cat. Dad's gone absolutely mad. And if this scene genuinely broke my heart, and the first time I saw it, I know I choked up because it's such a horrible, it's such a horrible feeling to be the parent of your parent. And Arash coming in to find the pictures of his dead mother all over the place because yeah. the dad has become convinced that the cat is possessed with the spirit of his dead mum, of course. Yeah, sure. Just he a says, normal day. <laughs> yeah, he says, you're supposed to be my father. Yeah. And it's really heartbreaking. And he looks both, again, both 35 and 15 yeah. in one moment, just looking so disappointed at him. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. To me, it also echoes... It made me think this time of what the girl in the club says about that the pill is nothing without you, and when she's talking to Arash, when she's like, "Come mm. on, take some of your, take some of your drugs," she, she says, "She says the pill is nothing without you. It's what you bring to it." Yes. And that when Hussein is in a similar state of spangled was the word you used. Yeah. Know, I was really like that's really <laughs> nice. When he is 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 spangled, like he he goes to the thing which is eating him up, which is that he's lonely yes yes but he's not good enough if we want to use that he's not good enough he's not strong enough to to do anything about that um (laughs) the dad has no drugs at that point you sure because arash gives him all the drugs gives him all the drugs so I wondered if this was the phases of withdrawal that he's going ah, through. Ah, yes. Okay, that makes sense. And then sense. that's his conscience, if you like, or his other voice is the dead mother. And he blames her. He says, you left me here. Yeah. Essentially, you died. That Again, the sense. whole thing being withdrawal. about death. Yes. Yeah. So he may be spangled. He may be high. But I think he's probably... Just affected it's by leaving the drugs his in another way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and could... the drugs are nothing without you. So they will fight on the way out. Sure. And... Yeah, this cat is freaking out. It looks like the cat's going to get hurt and the cat's just watching him like, what? I love that cat. <laughs> so gorgeous. And, you know, he's saying, look at his eyes. And again, we've already had that blind cat reference. Yeah. But they say, look at the look at its eyes. It's her. Yeah. She's come back to, to haunt me. She's come back to watch over me. You did this. It's your fault. You know, smashing everything. Mm. And quite rightly, Arash has had a hell of a time. He's probably still coming down because it's not been that long past. No. And he just says goodbye. He says, take the cat, take the drugs, take the money, and I don't want to see you again. If you take it, you've gone. And the dad picks a cat and drugs over his own son. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah, there's no... The only sort of reason he seems to delay is like, I can't believe I'm getting all of these drugs. Yeah, I know. Wow, amazing. I love drugs. (laughs) Yeah, this is a real treat day for me. Um, Of course, Hussein takes it straight to Atti. Uh, the money and the drugs. Yeah. Um, and the cat. And the cat. <laughs> uh, she doesn't look too happy about dancing for him, which I took to be in parallel to, and again, a more feminist statement, if you like, to have, to be paid to dance when you don't want to versus the girl who dances on her own when no one's watching. Yeah. Or who chooses to let a man into her house and then dances in front of him. Absolutely. Um which is interesting because I hadn't actually equated it to that guy dancing in front of the girl. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so he forces a dance on her. Yeah, She dances and consents to dancing with the guy and 
Atty dances because she's paid to. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. And this is where, because I mentioned earlier about the, the revolution in Iran, and when mm. he says he wants it to be, when he talks about the old days, dance for me like the old days, I assume he's talking about pre-revolutionary times uh. when women could dance in public in the street in wow. clubs or whatever i mean in clubs i know they do but you know what i mean yeah, it, yeah, yeah. without it being underground in, wow. in some way it's my assumption yeah that's really i mean this whole scene is deeply upsetting mm. she does look like it, the photos of his wife as well um, yeah no there's there's a reason that she's his favorite sex worker right yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah oh there we go yeah i actually put is that the old days as in, is that the old days? As in, he thinks he's talking to his wife. There's, or, a, there's an element of that as well. I think it's everything he, that's been lost, isn't it? Yeah, but also, was he seeing Atty while his wife was uh, alive? Is all wrapped in. And then I swear a lot. So I've put lots and lots of different swear words because I hate this scene. It's really horrible. Oh, it's, it is unpleasant. Um, it's meant to be. It is meant to be. It's just really nasty. And he basically, she, Atty doesn't want to do the drugs. He says, you're gonna we're gonna have a good time Whoa. yeah it freaks show me you a out. good time darling it freaks me out he puts a belt around her arm and injects her and she just immediately goes to sleep basically you know she just she's immediately gone mm. um high rather than dead Atty's eyes to the cat's eyes straight away the the connection is made by the camera yeah it goes from her eyes closing to the cat's eyes like being wide awake and watching which is essentially the wife if we're to believe yeah yeah dad. Well, you know and of course the girl right who said earlier in the previous conversation with Atty, like i want i'm watching you at night yeah both of them are this idea of like a explicitly female yeah something something explicitly female watching over her yeah <laughs> The girl eats the dad. In she comes. Mm. Eats her, eats him up. Looks quite angry at Atty, but actually, I think, assesses the situation quite quickly without anything needing to be said. Yeah. And then Atty ends up helping her remove the body. Yeah. Which yeah. is a lot. It's a proper, like, silent film vampire swoop that she Definitely. does as well. This is one. You know, I said sometimes when she moves... Again, it's like an animal, as you said. Yeah. Sometimes she moves very quickly. And well, it's done using that technique of... Filming it in half speed and speeding it up mm. to full speed, right? So yeah. it has the unrealness, but actually it is a real motion yes. that she's done. Yeah. yeah. And it's a really cheap way to do a great effect, by the way, when it's done well. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it is, it is how they would do it in the silent times. True. It's I mean, how how long did this take to film? Did you say 24, 24 days? 24 days. 24 days. Imagine making something this proficient and beautiful in 24 days partly it's because they didn't have the, it means that you don't have to pay your crew for a, yeah. a long shoot because they didn't have the money but it doesn't look cheap like no they, they, they've done it ex- extremely well that you would never they spent the money in all the right places yes yes and they spent it very well yep the little boy is the one he sees what happens he sees the the girl and Atty dumping Hussein's body they don't dump it well no. They actually dump it really near his old home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a strange choice. But I think it's to show that he OD'd actually. Yes. No, that's trying how to make I've it look like he's doing it. it. And it's the little boy crouching over the body in the morning that's really odd it's really odd and graphic and strange. Mm. It sort of feels like um a scarred society that the kid is just sort of morbidly fascinated by the body rather than reeling in horror. And it alerts Arash to the presence of his dead dad he's mortified as you can imagine but also like there is a figure standing there there's a woman standing there in a floral chador who's like the angelic version of 
the vampy one who doesn't say a word and we never see her face but she's just kind of there which is interesting and i wonder if that's uh, i mean there's a sequel in it, put it that <laughs> way. but yes interesting and then i've put poor arash what a sight to see that boy looks mega shifty and then i'm like yes mate pack your stuff <laughs> gtfo yeah up there you know yeah go the man in the tunnel dream yes so we've had a, we've seen the man in the tunnel dream before we did yeah when she but was it, sleeping yeah and so these are the dreams of the girl, the girl yeah and but then it's arash yeah so does this mean that she dreams of is she dreaming of arash or is he as he now interpolated into her dreams because he's a way out does she want a way what does it mean is what i'm meaning well about? he is he is at the end of a light tunnel so that and given that she's never out in the daytime mm-hmm. that makes me think that she's she associates him with life in the day yeah or life in the light and he is there coming into the darkness as he becomes less good if sure. you like he is coming more towards her but i actually just felt like they were visions Mm-hmm. I felt that they were visions of him arriving rather than anything too symbolic. I felt like she could just feel his presence and was confused as to why she liked him. Yeah. You know, confused as to why he was there. And then to open the door and sort of not be surprised to see him yeah. in her hallway. She's like, ah, okay, I get it, you know, and immediately starts packing her stuff too. Yeah. He doesn't say anything yeah. to her, does he? Well, he does, but I think she's already started to yeah. prep. Yeah. Um, before he does, because he don't, when he does speak to her again, the communication is so simple, you know. And he says, "Come with me, don't leave me alone." It's what I've written yes. down here, right? which are just two very short, very direct sentences that are very pure. There's a real purity to yes. like his to, to to his utterances here. Well, I th- again, I think it's that they're both vampires, <laughs> don't you? Why is th- what way is he a vampire? Oh, well, as in it's the words of someone that's being turned oh you know um i'm talking in the old tradition in the old hollywood tradition where we bite and then bite back the vampire bites mm-hmm. and then has to be rebitten okay um by the person they've bitten in order to fully turn okay i would suggest that it's an immortality thing it's a don't leave me alone here right in life yeah but uh, i suppose also it, it depends how we see bad city that they're yes. in like whether this is whether we see this as like a real place or like a state of mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, um you know is because i i wondered like is she seeing him in her dreams because he's her ticket out of bad city in more ways than one i see yeah there is something of the i said at the beginning it was described as a Iranian vampire western yeah and there is something in like his all-american get-up and his car and yeah, I think there's the a, dust there's, there's a scene where he's driving his car which is accompanied by like mariachi horns on the it soundtrack is, yeah so uh, there's a way in which like he's the cowboy in the white hat and is he coming in to to rescue right. her in some way I don't I'm not saying I'm just offering this as a possibility yeah. I haven't got this sort of down in my yeah in I, my mind. I had him very much as represented as the end of her in some way actually mm-hmm. i mean light at the end of the tunnel fine but like but yeah i mean that's light the light at the end of the tunnel oh, yeah the light at the end of the tunnel is also what you get when you die yeah that's so, what i'm saying yeah, yeah. Light, the, light at the end of the tunnel is one thing but light for a vampire specifically is death and he represents the light you know he's yeah. 
consistently a good man. It may even be that it's posited that he's the only good man in Bad City. Yeah, well, he's, um, well, he might, he's probably the only one we see. But yeah, we don't see many people in Bad City. But then it doesn't. There don't seem to be many people in Bad City. True. We get a lot of shots so with nothing much happening in the background. She changes into something a little more stripy at this point. Mm-hmm. So she changes uh, in front of him as well. He does look away, but I feel like her brazen sudden nudity even though it's the back of her feels like they did actually have sex to me yeah so he's seen it all and she doesn't mind but he's also like ah i'm not on drugs now (laughs) and he actually again because he's inverted commas good Mm -hmm. it's sort of the good thing to look away and have modesty and all that well i mean we we've seen how he talks to girls (laughs) you know he's not some he's not like a player Mm, yeah And then I put, oh no, his cat. It's so beautifully mm. acted, the whole scene. The realisation, seeing seeing his dad's cat in the house and she picks it up and it's like, this is... It's very... Um, it's got... It, what's that film? Oh, she's a Capricorn. Audrey Hepburn has a cat, a stripy... It's very famous. It's a ginger... Uh, Breakfast of Tiffany's? Breakfast of Tiffany's, yeah. It has that real, like, here's the last trace of my old life. Yeah thing where she it looks like she's giving it all up for him uh-huh. but this cat she's got a softness for because they're the same thing like they they're both haunty well we've linked them exactly. earlier right with the looking looking over yeah. the other characters a carpet bag and his dad's dead cat <laughs> uh, but also when she's packing one of the things that she like gets out and starts putting in bags is a big pile of gold and jewels yeah to fund everything I yeah think. but also victims. it's yeah victims exactly yeah <laughs> i put more great cat action and then i put caction question mark no here's the storm he predicted as well so earlier when she said look when i've done bad things i've done bad things you have no idea Mm -hmm. and his response to that being along the lines of like if i told you there was a storm coming would it matter Mm -hmm. what would it do and then of course there is a storm coming does it matter is the question it's all so goth and i put so goth in capital letters (laughs) uh he has i feel like also i could just have a a button that goes in more ways than one that would just press (laughs) at several times in our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a really nice, really long moment. And I know I often, I frequently reference David Lynch. I promise I know other directors. But there really is something kind of Lost Highway-like mm-hmm. about this end scene. Huh. And it's got Wild at Heart vibes as well. That that kind of being on a long journey, stopping just before you're about to do the big thing and having to have that moment to process. And clearly he's been stewing on that she's probably killed his dad for yeah. a long time, a long part of this little journey that they've been on already in the car with the cat. All, all the reminders are there and he just has this moment of being in the headlights of the car like, am I actually going to do this? Is this some? Is this a choice I'm making? Yeah. And it's so beautifully done. Not a word spoken. No. And then yeah. putting the tape in for that last, that final track. Yeah. And her sort of half smiling, you know, being like, yeah. okay, I guess we go. <laughs> and then they drive off into the sunset or yeah. the sunrise or whatever. I absolutely see what you mean with those Lynch films. Yeah. The one for me is the last shot of The Graduate. The oh, yes. When nice. they're on the bus sitting next to each other having just got married. Yeah. And and then the camera just stays on them for just a little bit too long while yeah. they sort of think about what they've done. And again, they don't say anything and it's framed in a similar way. It's just <laughs> yes, the two of them sitting is. there thinking about the choices that they've made to get here. <laughs> but then the fact that we don't... Because we could have cut there. Yeah. But the fact that we don't, the fact that we put a tape in and rev the engine and go makes it much more hopeful for me it, it somehow does. that they are leaving Bad City behind 
for better or worse. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Like where they're going is very uncertain. It's not like they're heading to the Sunlit Uplands and if she's a vampire, the Sunlit Uplands are probably no good for her anyway. <laughs> but that it's not it's it's not hopeless. There is this forward motion and yeah. there's something gonna happen for them. For for good or ill. Nice. I think that's us. You got more you wanna say? Well I want you to touch a little bit when we got to the end on just just about if we can sort of look very briefly at I, I, I realized that the idea of a girl walking home alone at night is extremely pertinent as we record yes you're right but without Bloody wishing to hell. tie it so closely to current affairs because we're recording this at the end, end of march 2021 yeah but you faithful listener may be listening to this at any point in the future, in the yes. future. but that certainly in the seven years since this film was made yeah it's not it, there sadly haven't been many times at which it hasn't been a relevant thought of mm. um, that what that why is it set in Iran? What is the girl doing? What is the film saying about the safety of women at night? Mm. And I realise that we could talk for another hour and a half a, and not get anywhere. But I, I feel like before we sort of close is there do we have anything to say about about the almost as the film as a whole and any of these ideas or anything else that struck you because there is a point earlier on in the film when we see her kill somebody else right mm. it seems to be a homeless man or a vagrant or yes. something and um we we, you know, we sort of skipped by it at the time but i did have a note on that of who is he? Is he another malefactor? Did he do something bad? Or was she just hungry? Does she explicitly protect women? Or is that a byproduct of her existence? Mm. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on any of that? I view her as a a feminist Iranian Batman. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the circumstance of her death, but she has a real tragedy about her and around her and a wildness. I don't think she's just a creature. She feels more like the Japanese spirit, you know, the unsettled mm. spirit more than anything. And I would say that if we delve deeper into some of old Iranian folklore, we may find these protectors of women in the same way that you get in Japanese and Chinese culture, where there is a ghost that takes the guise of a beautiful woman and if you go near her in a way that is disrespectful she does real bad things <laughs> like yeah. real bad it's a very old trope and it's interesting that that fear has stopped being instilled in the way that it used to be it was a real like genuine particularly the japanese one was a real danger for men at night it was considered a real bad thing you just did not look at or speak to in a salacious way any good-looking people because <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, they might be a, a demon in disguise they would turn you inside out wow. and leave you there like it's <laughs> you know so it really does play on that i do think there's a superhero vibe i think the cape i think the batness i think yeah. the odd movements the use of tools sometimes but there is also the dirty underbelly of having to have money to live, stealing the jewellery. Yeah. She's got very, I was going to say Studio Ghibli vibes as well, of okay. this morality, moral character. She really reminds me of No Face, and that's where I get that, that learning thing from. Yeah. She brings the sex worker jewels, because the sex worker likes money, you know? Yeah. So she's like, oh, ho, 
you know, with the... <laughs> yes. it, yeah, and there is that presentation idea of, like, exactly. you, you like the unsure thing of, like, you like these? You want these? Is I've got these. Exactly. And, these. and fair enough, it's also a little bit like the heart of Snow White from The Huntsman. Ooh. It's presenting, I slaughtered. I did yeah. this for you. Uh, here yeah. are the bones. Trophies. Or here's of, the heart. Yeah. yeah to the sex worker who didn't ask for that but also is very pleased you know <laughs> there, there will be an element of that thrill of not having to give most of her money to a terrible pimp that uses her and abuses her yeah i do think it's a vengeance film i do think it's i actually think it's a lack of consent vengeance film so not necessarily just rape but consent on all levels mm. and the idea as i say of this guardian demon instead of a guardian angel that when you are bad, who pro- seen as bad? When you are seen as bad in the eyes of society, who protects you? Yeah, and of course you get a corruption of that if there's any religious yeah, undertones. Yeah, of course. What do you reckon? Yes, I think the religious undertones because one of the things I wondered, I think I mentioned at the beginning, but it's like they could have done this in English, right? Um, they made it in America. Hmm. The director was born in uh, London of Iranian family and then moved to the States. Mm-hmm. But they chose to do this in Farsi and they chose to do it in black and white. And these are obviously artistic decisions, but they also have a financial cost to them. It but just wouldn't have been as good in English. Is that? But is that just because it's sort of exotic in some way, having subtitles? No, or, that is because those actors understand the content in a way that I don't think a strictly English cast, an entirely English-speaking cast would. Sure. They may speak English, you know, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, what no, I'm but, saying, but, but there's something about yeah, the yeah. use of language that makes it much more a folklore tale. It's why we've included it on the po- on the podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. an urban mythology yeah. that wouldn't exist if that were American accents or if that were, like, um, English spoken with anything. You know, it it I don't think the exoticism needs to exist. I think it could have been a silent and still mm-hmm. worked. But well, there was, and so much of it is, yeah, you know, if not silent, certainly dialogue-free. Yeah, yeah. I suppose what I'm, I'm just sort of edging towards the idea that, yeah, that in Iran, currently, you know, today, a, a young woman like the girl is not safe. No, outside uh, around after dark, as is the case in California, as is the case in London, and there's an element of fantasy, but like a. Again, like a folkloric fantasy of like this bad place mm-hmm. where you have this like strong female yeah. badass presence. This is why I describe it as a superhero or a superheroine. Yeah. Because yeah. you, if the girl was a man, it would change the entire thing. It would be a kind of toxic masculinity protector of women. The white knight syndrome stuff. Batman, right? (laughs) Doesn't doesn't just protect women. No, that's true. It it feels like he's defending the innocent and feels like he's basically reparenting himself. There's, I love Batman for the psychology, and for the, the, for different reasons to Mm -hmm. that. But this is a hero or a heroine rather that, that women in that culture and actually now ours. Well, not now ours, but like specifically at the moment ours could massively do with frankly yeah but then also no one's aware of her mm. so it it's not even the westernized ideal of karma in the way that it's been bastardized through the spiritual community sure. 
and it's a massive eye roll to anybody who actually practices a karmic belief system yeah because it's not about that it's are you bad intrinsically bad and it happens to be that women are the victims of badness but actually there's only one woman that she protects in that film particularly uh what sorry rather there's only one woman that benefits from the death of somebody Mm -hmm. in that film particularly yeah Um, that's true but it's it's a woman if it's if you're talking about Attie yes as a sex worker she's one of the women who are perpetually stigmatized as bad yes themselves this is why i say yes who protects the people that society thinks of as bad and it will have to be this vigilante supernatural thing because that's the only way it's believable because they don't have any protection yeah they are left to die yeah and left in danger um yeah and i suppose we can just can draw this out a little bit because there are men there are people but usually men who would who just hate women more generally Mm -hmm. hate and fear things that they are not sure because we are including a massive queer community in that danger factor Mm. predominantly it's things that are viewed in the eyes of a sick man or a sick version of masculinity as being effeminate and therefore weak and therefore bad and therefore bad and therefore usable Mm. uh, trainable harmable yeah um weak and this creature this girl and called the girl to represent women and i mean Mm. she could i mean if you want to get really deep she could be the rage of every harmed woman put into one creature one of the things i like about this film is that there are no clear answers to these yeah but also it's all of these things and several more that's why i say we could talk about this a lot there's it is allegorical like this but it is also satisfying and i never feel short-changed by it you never feel i think what's making me bristle about the bringing it into the situations that are happening at the moment mm-hmm. or sorry bringing it into what's heavily in the media at the moment with women feeling in danger one it's not news women have felt in danger since i mean long before but the entire time i've been alive i've been trained how to hurt men should they do anything two we're not Iranian women, you know? <laughs> yeah. We're not women in a culture where it's so vastly different from this one, if religiously or otherwise, like the entire culture of a place and then trying to live within that culture, having beliefs that keep you in that place because you want to be there and then having to interact with the Western world in in a way that feels right. On top of that, you are not only endangered by your own culture, you are then also endangered by people that see you as weak or disgusting or bad. Yeah. You are then also endangered by people that don't have your belief system and therefore think you are bad. Yeah. Like, I don't think the comparison is fair. And I think that's why it makes sense to have it as an Iranian film in Persian, in Farsi, because sure. that's yours. Like, that, that, that cuts that line of this is our culture. You can find similarities. You can find parallels, but you will not understand sure yeah i think and i think that's important to note that this is the sarah everard case is tragic and of a white woman yeah a white cis woman who was apparently doing everything right when in fact just being an iranian woman in your traditional dress is bad bad this is what i mean yeah. is doing something wrong in the eyes of the law sure yeah you have put yourself in danger just by existing and i think 
it needs looked at in more than a <laughs> more than a podcast. <laughs> no, about yeah, uh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, this is not the forum. This is not the forum for it. I just thought it was important that we should. Yeah, for sure. You're right. You're right. It, it, because it, this I did is. Did say a... I was in a mood. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, Here it is. Yeah, I just thought that we shouldn't finish without sort of touching on the themes of the of the film as a whole because there are these ideas and these things which are suggested all the way through or that there are multiple interpretations of not the individual scenes mm-hmm. we've been through but I feel like taken as a whole it can say several different things and I think we've had a inkling of that with the way we've had different interpretations of scenes as we've gone through Yep, and I think it's a film that does repay a lot of thought and yep. it has a bunch of things to say and is but is also a very entertaining and a really enjoyable watch as well without i don't mean to, i don't mean to sort of over oversell ideas of film theory to the detriment of it being an enjoyable film that you should yeah. seek out but that was all <laughs> <laughs> right anything else no not from me right well thank you very much for listening and for being with us through this do come back again next week while we will be discussing Fright Night. The 80s one, everybody, not the weird remake with I sexy David Tennant. forgot they remade it. It's mm. Colin Farrell. I don't care about him. David Tennant in leather trousers. But no, we're not looking not, at that not one. Not that one. Because <laughs> there's not enough tissue in the world. We're going to be looking at the 80s one. Lots yep. of fun, lots of references to all the things we've covered already. It's quite fascinating. hope you'll join. And it's good fun. If you want to talk to us about anything that we've discussed, do send us an email. Please. Uh, hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com. You can get us on. And we're also on the socials, as they say. We're <laughs> we're on the Instagram. Yeah, uh, we're on the Twitter. Oh, yes. We're on both of these. So give us a follow on both or either of these networks. We're on Instagram at haunted underscore picture underscore palace. Mm-hmm. And we're on Twitter at HPPpod. Um, just a really confusing yeah thing. i know or a different um, <laughs> a different one for each medium there you know so one for the email one for the instagram Keep one for the twitter time. exactly just thank the lord i haven't set up like anything else yet myspace um we really do love making this podcast it's very much something that i look forward to every week i don't know about you yeah um <laughs> I don't know about oh, you. Were you talking to me Who or were you? You, were you talking to the audience? All. The audience yes, at home. how about you? Mm. Send us your answers on a postcard <laughs> to the email address. <laughs> yeah. Um, but please do spread the word if you do enjoy listening to us. Um, we would love to have more listeners. We have exciting in-person things planned for the future future when we're allowed to be more than four people in a room at yeah. once. And it would be great to have a big old following to assist us and to come along for that so please do in all the ways so that's subscribing that is telling people that's reviews however you can do it it's all for freezies and it would be great it would indeed and thank you for everyone who's done these things already yes um it's so nice it is gratifying that you know people are out there listening and i know and, uh, regulars are yeah so cute. it's really lovely so thank you for that um we'll see you next time oh bye oh bye 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 Oh, bye. Bye. Stop. Um.
and it's it, I've, I've sort of run out of words steam. yeah yeah you right yeah i'm fine suddenly forward a scream i was doing that you couldn't see it <laughs> over the you can't see it over the audio but i was sweeping forward Pouncing. um Um, but that's she not has got a hole I was gonna say I was gonna swear.